What's up, y'all? I am Chris Jowson, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be joined tonight again by my guy, Jake Upman. What's up, buddy? I, I stumbled your name, but what's going on? That's okay. I mean, uh, who am I these days, right? It doesn't really matter. It's just some dude that is a here that you can talk to. The name is irrelevant at this point. Basically, man. That's why I'm stumbling. It doesn't <laughs> this is matter. your show. I'm just here to make sure you have somebody to talk to. I'm joined with this guy tonight. That's all we're doing. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> From now on. This guy. You know what, man? I wanted to start off. I mean, okay. You know what? Football, you know, everyone's going to be saying, what the hell are you guys going to talk about? And you know what? I got some surprises for you. You know, I got some surprises for you. Wow. Because this is, this is what I do. I'm this good, Perfect. man. But first of all, I want to start off with the NBA. What the F is everybody doing? Dude. Chucking shit at these players, man. You guys have been locked in your houses too long that you think that this is acceptable. Like, what the hell is going on, Jake? I mean, it's literally what you just said. People don't know how to act in public anymore. And we're on the verge of having another malice in the palace like we saw in Detroit with Ron Artest Our going test, up into yeah. the stands. I mean, we're on the verge of something like that. I mean, there's the players have had enough. And honestly, as much as I dislike the nba game it's almost borderline hard to watch because everybody's flopping everybody wants a foul on every play half the time they get a foul and there isn't one it's hard to watch but uh, if i'm those guys i'm not putting up with that crap i mean somebody comes at me i mean i even saw a clip and i don't know if i think it was minor league baseball a fan charged onto the Mm. field and got in the face of the pitcher i'm sorry but if that's me somebody's taking one to the jaw because But what the problem is, is so many people are, are scared, especially the, the players are scared to respond nowadays because they don't know if there's going to be legal action against them. Or are they going to get suspended by the league they're in? I mean, there's so much red tape, but it's got to stop. And, and, and hopefully it does soon because otherwise it's just going to continue to escalate. And then something seriously bad is going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't like any ounce of it. I mean, the one dude chucking the popcorn. OK, yeah, you're just being a jackass. But then the dude chucking the water bottles, like yeah. the full water. Like, come on, man, you could really hurt somebody. Like these guys are professional athletes. They're putting on a show for you. I get it. OK, you pay for your ticket, but that doesn't give you any rights to do any of that crap. Like, that's just nonsense. I saw that same clip you're talking about with that pitcher, man. Like he should have just cold clocked him and his his teammate. I think came from like third base and <laughs> yeah. just knocked him down. You see that? Yeah, yeah, he came in. He, he took care of it. I mean, the pitcher took a couple steps backward, third base, cleaned it up. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's sad to see. And unfortunately, I say it all the time. And obviously, we're in a business with the public, with the people. Like the people mm. are what make us what we are. And we understand that. But to be completely honest, I can't sit here and lie about it. There are a lot of stupid people out there. Yeah. And we see it all the time. And it's 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 too bad right because a lot of it happens now because people think that they can say and do whatever they want to because it's only through social media and through a keyboard mm-hmm. and and everybody's a warrior but now that it's starting to have it happen in public a little bit more often especially in the sports industry which is supposed to be for enjoyable entertainment purposes i mean people people gotta do better you gotta do way better. And I think this was an airing of grievance without even doing it. Right, exactly that. Perfect. We didn't even have to do it. <laughs> didn't even have to, you know, do the opening. Damn it. Opening is my favorite part, but I digress. Let's dive into some football. We do have some news today. And I, you know, I'm excited because this one involves my Buffalo Bills. I get to speak about my Bills. I smile. I smile ear to ear. I love it. I don't. I know you don't, but you're gonna listen and, and you're gonna talk back because this is what we need. We need conversation today. Damn right I am. <laughs> The Bills, man, they converted $11.718 million of Stefan Diggs' base salary into a signing bonus, creating $7.8 million in cap space, which gives the Buffalo Bills another $11.4 million. And so this is the one thing. I don't I, I get why they're doing this because they understand that they have issues on this roster. And those are the same issues that I was telling you guys like from the entire offseason. Like I wanted the DB, I wanted a running back, you know, we need linebacking help. But now now, here's the issue okay here's what i want to i want to talk about what are they opening this up for because you know they're gonna do something brandon bean is a magician and he's doing something is it zach Ertz? is it godforsaken julio jones is it a defensive back number two defensive back you got richard sherman you got uh, uh breeland brichard breeland out there is this to extend josh allen what the hell are my bills doing in your eyes man waiting for Le'Veon bell oh come on why? Why would you do it? Actually, I don't hate it. I don't. Hate I mean, it. here's the deal, and because Bell, I believe, just tweeted something out the other day about, oh, 
you thought it was over or it's not over yet or you're about to be surprised, which is something he does every year. And then we're just surprised by the lack of lack of production. Uh, I don't think Le'Veon Bell is washed at all. And I think that he would make a lot of sense in a Bills style offense, right? Because what do they have? They have Zach Moss, who I believe still sucks. Devin Singletary, who he looks great. I mean, he looks like a man on a mission, but he's not really a three down guy and he won't be in the NFL. Who's really going to pound it between the tackles? They saw Patrick Mahomes get hurt a few years ago, sneaking up the middle on the goal line. They don't want that to happen to Josh Allen. They need to limit the amount of hits. And why not throw one year, a few million at Le'Veon Bell, have him be your goal line back, short yardage guy, somebody you can throw in, in in certain situations you're not overly reliant upon. It doesn't eat up as much money as they have because there ain't no way in hell he's getting $11 million. But, mm-hmm. I mean, to me that makes a lot of sense. And it may not be as sexy as it was three, four, five years ago, but I think it fills a need that, like you said, I don't hate it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, $11.4 million in June – can get you a Le'Veon Bell, can get you a trade for Zach Ertz, and can get you Breeland or Sherman. So yep. now, all of a sudden, this Bills team now rounds out a little bit. These guys aren't what they were. I get it. But you need to have those secondary pieces to round it all out, man. And then, guess what, man? Super Bowl party in Buffalo. Wow. Party of one. Because I can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Too no, I mean, soon. I mean, I get it. And yeah. it makes a lot of sense. And talking about Zach Ertz, honestly, mm. I like Dawson Knox more than I like Zach Ertz. Do you really? Overall, yeah. I think Zach Ertz is basically, he's ridden his own coattails of past performances. And every year it's just like, oh, here he comes, Zach Ertz. And he's just not what he used to be. And could he be of some service? Yeah. But I don't think that if you sign Zach Ertz, you're getting the Zach Ertz that your mind thinks that you're getting. I mean, you're not going to get anybody that's going to go out there and get 80 catches and 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. I think those days are over, especially in that offense, as much as we love Mm. Stephon Diggs. I like Cole Beasley this year. I think Gabriel Davis is somebody who takes a huge step forward in that offense. They have other options. I mean, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, too. I don't think that Zach Ertz helps them anymore by adding to it. I think if they just included Dawson Knox a little bit more, I think that they may get similar production, but the tight end just isn't part of their game plan, and it hasn't been since Charles Clay left. Yeah, and I mean, even Charles Clay wasn't that great. Man. We, no. we, you know, you spent a boatload of money on Charles. Didn't work. And I mean, but now you're taking the thunder. See, I'm, I'm, you're taking out all my thunder again. I, you like not, Zach Ertz? You think he's got something left? No, you know what it is? It's the injury concern with Zach mm-hmm. Ertz. I mean, I get it. I, he, he definitely isn't. I mean, what is he, three years removed from being a top three fantasy commodity? I mean, okay, are we going to say that he's going to be a top three guy in Buffalo? Probably not. But I mean, you got to, for me, it's like you... You don't utilize Zach Ertz more as much as you should, fine. But does that mean that Zach Ertz doesn't have the skill set? Or is it just that he was too young and raw and needed to learn the game? Because what is he, the, he? I think he's entering his third year this year. And, and, and maybe they're going to bring in Zach Ertz because if they do, because they want to do the double tight end sets. They want to run the ball a little bit more in those end games, uh, end of games where they got to close it out. Maybe that's what the goal is. But then are you going to trade uh, draft pick compensation to just get a guy that's going to do that. I doubt it. So then you, you would think that they would have to put in schemes at least in the red zone. So then maybe his touchdown upside is there, but I don't know. I, I don't hate the Zach Ertz thing. And I agree with you. I, I'm not, I'm not expecting him to be, you know, even in the 800 yard range. I really don't. I think it's like a good 500, 550 and potentially six to eight touchdowns. But I mean, you, it's just the weapons. You want to be more multidimensional. I think when you go up against uh, up against a team like Kansas City, you saw what they did to you, and you really needed just to you know morph your offense into something other than just passing to your wide receivers in shotgun because, I mean, it crippled you in the end. And one thing that I think that I maybe look at towards the Zach Ertz signing more than anything else is what did Tampa Bay kind of do? They brought in a lot of veterans, right? Buffalo is still a fairly young team overall. And when it comes time to the playoffs, you need that veteran presence. Mm. You're not just bringing in Zach Ertz to, to get 80 catches for 1,000 yards. You're bringing in Zach Ertz to bring in a, a past Super Bowl winner, to, to bring in a philosophy into that, that locker room and that mindset of what it's like to actually get to that point. I think that would probably be more valuable to the Bills than the play that they get on the field from Zach Ertz personally. He's just 
I, I, I love Zach Hertz and he had a few good years and it just seems like his body failed him mm. and he could never just get to be a hundred percent Dallas. Uh, I'm going to call him go dare because I'm feeling fancy. Uh, you know, he, he kind of came in and I don't want to say he took the job, but he was a very capable tight end. So they didn't have to rush back or really rely on Ertz and, it just didn't bode well. Then again, it's Philadelphia and nothing seems to work out right in Philadelphia. So maybe he does have a little bit something left, but if I'm Buffalo and I'm going after Zach Ertz, it's just because I want that veteran leadership, not the production on the field. Yeah, fair enough. And I can't hate it whatsoever. I just want my bills to be hoisting that Super Bowl trophy. And they're going to be, they're going to be the bad part about this is Miami is getting better. Yep. And it's not just having to compete with the Patriots year in and year out. Now you're going to have a Miami team who's going to be flirting with double-digit wins. And I hate to say it, the Jets are going to be better. They're not going to win the division, but they're going to be better because Adam Gase is gone. And I can see in the next two to three years, the Jets starting to become more viable in that in that division. And, and by that point, now you have Mac Jones in New England after a couple of years. And what is that off? I think the Bills window is like one or two years. And if they don't get it in the next one or two years, it's going to be an uphill battle for a long time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the the way that this every like I said to you guys before, that everybody in this division got better this offseason, every mm-hmm. single one of them. And it felt like the Bills just kind of, you know, did uh, they just got all everybody to return. They didn't add enough. I mean, I like Manny Sanders, but I mean, he's past his prime, too. And and what you're doing there. Yeah, you're bringing in a guy who's who's very reliable, sure handed guy. That's great. But I mean, you didn't add the pieces that I really thought you really, truly required. And that's linebacker, running back, defensive back. And, and, and that's what you needed you're like you said the window is so short now and, and whatever we'll, we'll move on but i mean what about real quick question since we're talking about your bills i'm going to give you all this the shine up front and okay. hope that we don't have to talk about it for like three weeks okay uh <laughs> but we talked about Le'Veon bell who would you rather have in buffalo this year this year only you're only looking at just 2021 Le'Veon bell todd Gurley, adrian peterson or frank gore don't want Gore. He can he can leave because he's already been here. I don't want him. Yeah, back. been there, done that. Okay. Yeah, been there, done that. Adrian kind of is interesting to me because he's just this. He's like the Energizer Bunny that just doesn't quit. It's like the and, Tom Brady of running backs, for real. And and he doesn't get <laughs> injured. And and like I I don't know. I I think AP in Buffalo would actually be something really special because in those in those little packages, like what does he get? Like 120 carries last time he played. I mean. Uh, something like that but I mean if he comes in here and he gives me 120 carries six touchdowns and is the goal line back I'll take that all day long here's here it is for Adrian Peterson last year he had 156 carries for 604 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground exactly I don't I I don't mind that in 2019 he had 211 with Washington the year before that 251 in Washington so he's still capable even though he's getting up there in age He's what, 36? Yeah, he's just, he's 36 years old. He just turned 36. Mm. He's got enough left. He's not going to rush for 2,000, but he could definitely rush for 700 in Buffalo. And I think, I think Adrian Peterson makes the most sense because at least we know he's quote unquote healthy. Yeah, and, and you, you you team him up with Josh Allen on the goal line. Mm-hmm. You, who the hell are you going to stop on a read option in that one? Mm-hmm. And the fact, you know, I didn't, I don't hate the Le'Veon Bell sign, but it's kind of like you're remaking the the PPR magic because Zach Moss, okay, yeah, you you hate him, he sucks balls for you. But <laughs> <laughs> well stated, okay. <laughs> but him and Devin Singletary, they have PPR upside because they can catch the ball, even though Devin drops balls like he's got bricks for hands. But I mean. I, I like the Peterson thing. I think if Todd Gurley's knees weren't falling off and broken, I mean, I think I would I would go Todd Gurley. But I don't know, man. You got my uh, my thought mind going here. I like yeah, Adrian. Like that. Adrian, like- come to should, Buffalo. Should we come speak it into existence? I, I think we should. Bills okay. Mafia, Adrian Peterson. Moving on to a massive signing today. Did you catch this, man? It was massive. 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 Like, it was defined massive. It was massive, man. You like, got to remember, I'm a big dude, so I deal with massive things a lot. <laughs> Rex Burkhead. He signs uh, with not Houston. so massive. <laughs> he signs with the Houston Texans. I got you. I mean, this is this is what we're getting in June. It is Rex Burkhead going to a backfield. I just want to touch on this quickly because I think it's funny. He goes to a backfield that has like a thousand running backs. And and I don't I, one of them's got to be the quarterback this year. They have to be. I don't understand. I mean, Houston may be. I don't know. There's a lot of there's other options, but they may be one of the dumbest franchises in the <laughs> NFL. I mean, they're borderline up there. It's Just what we're not that far removed from trading DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, which was a stupid trade to begin with. 
but then they took it. And then what do they do? How do they, how do they, you know, really make that a, a well-worthy trade? Oh, they go out and get Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay. And uh, now they bring in Rex Burt. Like, what are you trying to do? Like bring in every injured running back ever to see just who can make it. In my opinion, and maybe this, maybe a lot of people don't agree. I think Philip Lindsay is the best option in that backfield. If it's my team, I'm starting Philip Lindsay on a weekly basis. But I can't say that for sure. And he's, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. The last thing they needed was a running back, much less an oft injured running back like Rex Burkhead. Uh, yeah, this makes absolutely zero, zero sense to me. We're going to see a new formation in the NFL created by the Houston Texans this year. And it's for running back deep behind the quarterback. Yeah. This, is what, this is what they're going to do. It's going to be like two offensive lines. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to add four more players. Like that's, yeah. I'm, I'm moving on right away because that's just signing that whatever. It's just stupid. Big Ben. You see Big Ben today. He's talking up Dwayne Haskins a little bit. And, and I know you had a little bit of Dwayne love last year thinking, you know, he was so low. You're like, you know, this could happen. You're mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but this could happen. It didn't happen. But I mean, now he's on Pittsburgh. And, and this is interesting to me because, okay, I was, I was looking at their depth chart. You know, Big Ben had his, had his uh, uh, throwing arm, the elbow, surgically, completely surgically repaired. So you know his arm is ready to fall off. Uh-huh. You have Mason Rudolph, who I think is sucky. Te- he's terrible. Yeah, yeah. he sucks. Um, it's like a trust then, fund kid. He looks like he's just living off rich daddy. It's kind of what he looks like. Yeah, basically, man. <laughs> you know, can I have some more money, please? <laughs> totally stereotype that, but go ahead. Yeah, it's okay. And then and then you got the Dobbs kid. Like, he's he's been back three times, I think. And, I mean, they're just using him as a cap arm. Yeah. I mean. And, I, and now you got Haskins, man. So, I mean, he, this is the thing. I quote, he, before, you, before I get your opinion on this, he says, I quote, he gives a high praise. His throwing motion and is, is ahead of the curve. He said he could throw the ball through a car wash and it wouldn't get wet. I mean, me personally. Now, I am not the film connoisseur, the film dissector that you are. Sure. But I do watch it, obviously. It's kind of what we do here. Uh, I still see potential in Dwayne Haskins. The biggest red flag to me is that Ron Rivera couldn't get it out. And Ron Rivera, in my opinion, is a great, great coach that can really coach up quarterback talent. That's the biggest red flag for me. But Dwayne Haskins, talent-wise, I think has been severely underrated on a team that was below average with very few weapons. We saw, you know, he started to get some help there later on with Terry McLaurin you know, towards the, his, the end of his stint in Washington, but he was never fully committed to with weapons for a season-long uh, NFL season. You put him in Pittsburgh, and immediately, in my opinion, he's got to be the, the backup option because we've seen Mason Rudolph. It's ugly. Uh, we've seen Josh Dobbs. It's it's a little bit better, but it's still pretty ugly. Right. This is an offense that has so much firepower. If Big Ben were to go out, they just stall because their offensive line isn't elite, so they can't lean on their running game. And you have four super solid wide receivers out there with James Washington and Chase Claypool and Juju and Deontay Johnson that they need to have a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field. And Dwayne Haskins fits that. I, I'm not a Dwayne Haskins hater. I don't really care for the, the diva ish attitude we saw at the end of the Washington days. And it scares me that Ron Rivera couldn't turn it around, but outside of that talent wise, maybe being in Pittsburgh behind big Ben and that type of culture Maybe it's enough to to snap him to and, and get him ready to go. He put in a ton of work prior mm-hmm. to 2020. He lost a lot of weight. He got in great shape. He showed dedication. He showed maturity. He showed the will to want to succeed. But the second that it got bad in Washington, he kind of folded. And I hate to see that part of it. But if given an opportunity in that offense, I think he could surprise some people. Yeah, and that's where I'm at. That's why I would kind of bring it up because I, okay, Washington, like, uh, you know, the Adam Case New York Jets is like the supreme level and cream of dysfunction. That, that's all it is. I mean, I mean, we can't sugarcoat it any which way. And when they benched Dwayne, they were like, Dwayne was like, fine, I'm out. I'm done. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want because I know they're going to release me eventually. And he was, okay, it's a bad look player wise. It's not professional. I get it. But now he goes, like you're saying, to a club like the Steelers where your your offensive talent is just like plethora rich. And and now 
I like the odds. I really do. If he, if this is my, my thing, if, if Haskins can't beat out Dobbs and Rudolph for the backup job, then I'm out because then that says a lot about what he's not doing. Well, mm-hmm. his arm it's truth. I mean, it's going to be, if, if, if Dwayne Haskins is on the field, it's going to be chase Claypool and it's going to be James Washington deep balls all freaking day, man. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what Pittsburgh needs. And now you have a run game with Najee. That's looking up and up. I, I don't know, man. Is it Dwayne? If he wins this backup role, this could actually be the the you know secret quote unquote quarterback of the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't. I know. mean, he's only twenty four years old hmm. still. Try to think back to twenty four year old Chouse. Did you have your head on completely straight? I was elite. Okay, well, you may have been the exception. I'm let joking. me say, let me talk about me as a twenty four year old. Okay, yeah. and I mean, I was. I mean, it's just different, right? I think a lot of times these kids are forced into a perception of maturity because they're a professional athlete and people forget that these are still young, immature kids who for a lot of them are getting a bunch of money when they grew up with nothing. And Dwayne Haskins falls into that category. And, and we still can't, I can't write him off. Somebody at this, if he was 28, okay, you've had your chance. You never made it. But at 24 on a team with really no future quarterback mm. that is known they're not known to have been a, a QB carousel in Pittsburgh. It's like they plan this out in advance. Like there's going to be a guy and there's going to be a guy for a while. Mm-hmm. And for them to bring in Dwayne Haskins and give him a chance, if he wins that backup role, he could be the future of the Steelers. And even though on paper people will see that and they will hate it and they will criticize it, the guy still has too much talent to ignore at this point. And I agree with wholeheartedly. I think if he wins this backup job, he gets a full season now to learn behind big Ben where he didn't have anybody to learn from in Washington. Everything is just, you know, it's one of those things you get a second chance in life with something and, and the situation falls in your lap. Like it does with Pittsburgh. You better not mess this up, man, because this is your path to glory. And, and I'm, I'm rooting for him. I really am. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't, you know, in love with his full game, but I'm definitely rooting for the man. Cause I think it's, it's definitely there. Right. It's game night, man. On, on straight chub. This is what we're doing tonight. It's game night, baby. Why? Because this is what we do over here, and I'm I'm playing games, and you're gonna like it. Wow. Well, uh, you're, you're you're catching me off guard with it too, because I did not prep for any games. And this is what makes it fun, man. This is cool. what makes it live. Cool. This is a little game called Fact or Fiction. Oh God. Who and what are you doing <laughs> here? I'm gonna ask you questions. This is fantasy football related. And maybe some of it's not actually. So we'll just go. Fast. <laughs> You're like, it is really not. I lied. I'm just making it seem like it is. I'm just I'm just making shit up as I go as well. Perfect. So Mike Davis. He led the NFL in broken tackles in 2020. Will he finish as a top 12 running back in Atlanta in fantasy football? I'm going to say fiction Ooh. because I get it. There's no other options for the most part as of right now in Atlanta. I understand that. And Kyle really likes himself some Mike Davis this year. Does he know? He does. Kyle really loves some Mike Davis. Uh, I'm just not sold on Mike Davis. I don't see them. What was one of the biggest downfalls to Todd Gurley last year in Atlanta? He's very capable of catching passes out of the backfield, but they never threw it to him. They They don't throw to their running backs out of the backfield because they have, as of right now, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and now Kyle Pitts, they don't need to throw it to the, to their running back. They, they don't need to, you know I mean? They have plenty of other options that they're getting involved in. They're throwing the ball down the field. Mm. What made Mike Davis that fantasy football viable last year, his pass catching out of the backfield. There's games where he's getting eight, 10 receptions towards the first half of the season. What happened when they stopped throwing to Mike Davis in Carolina he plummeted down the weekly rankings. And that's where I'm worried about. He was so reliant mm-hmm. on, on getting that pass catching work that I can see him. I don't, I don't hate him right around that 18 range, but to put him inside the top 10, top 12, it's just a stretch for me because we're putting a lot of a lot of stock into the Falcons actually throwing to their running backs. And I just I haven't seen it enough to trust it. Yeah, and I, it, it's such a tough one. He is the one of the biggest conundrums that I've seen in these guys. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, he built himself up to like a mini (laughs) Derek Henry. I mean, his thighs are like two of my legs, but I mean, 
leading the league in tag breaking tackles in 2020 really shocked me when I saw that I was like, Whoa, now this is a good topic, but I agree. I, I don't know what really to expect from this Atlanta Falcons run game. I mean, could you be like a Buffalo bills where you're just going to throw the ball 70 30? Like, I mean, that's, that's really what you're looking at here. I think. And uh, I agree. I mean, uh, Davis took the CMC role easily in, in, in Carolina and that's all they were doing. They were peppering them with targets. He was producing, became everybody's, you know, go-to guy. And now I don't, he, he had 70 targets last year. There you go. I mean, if, if I have to count on him getting 70 in Atlanta this year to repeat those numbers, that's what worries me because he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. So he may have broken a lot of tackles. And obviously the offensive line was not great. And I do think it's a little bit better in Atlanta this year than what we saw in Carolina last year, but not enough for me to put him that high. I just, if it happens, will I be surprised? I won't, but I don't want to take that risk. Plus, honestly, I'm going to pound running backs early in drafts anyway, and I won't need Mike Davis by the time I get there because I'll be loading up on wide receivers. You're gonna do? You're gonna pound who? What? I'm gonna pound those those oh. running backs like oh. into submission the first oh. couple rounds. Holy man, this is a children family show. Well, take, I'm teaching them young. Okay, well then teach them well and teach them proper. <laughs> Factor fiction. Tevin Coleman will lead the Jets in touches Fiction. in 2021. <laughs> Damn it, let me get it out, man. You cannot do this to me. I love me some Tevin Coleman, and I can't quit this, man. I cannot, man. I I get it. I, I want to believe it, but we keep thinking that we're going to get the Tevin Coleman from what? Let me look here. The one from there, 2018. There was, never, there was never a day we could Well, in 2018, Tevin. he had 1,000 total yards. Total yards, yeah. So, I mean, that's the Tevin Coleman that we want. The one from Atlanta in 2018. Mm -hmm. That year he had also 32 receptions for 276 yards and five receiving touchdowns. So that's really where he got a big, you know, a big jump in statistical performances because he had 167 carries for 800 yards, which is 4.8 yards per carry. I like it. It's fantastic. Yeah. But dude, I mean, he averaged 1.9 yards per carry last year. Now, granted, he only had 28 attempts, so I'm not on now. bashing the guy because he didn't really get much of an opportunity, but 1.9, that's I mean, fantastic. I, I could take a handoff and fall forward and get 1.9. Like, what was a professional athlete doing? That's like, dude, that's just under six feet. If I stand on my tippy toes and fall forward, I am six foot four. I'm getting almost two yards <laughs> by falling forward. Like, what is this man doing? I don't understand. I mean, we saw... In, in San Francisco, Jeff Wilson Jr. Mm-hmm. Who the hell was Jeff Wilson Jr.? Mm-hmm. He turned into a fantasy viable asset. We saw Jarek McKinnon, who was basically on one leg, turn into a fantasy viable asset. We saw Jamichael Hasty for like three minutes, maybe one week, turn mm-hmm. into a fantasy viable weapon in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman never turned into crap in San Francisco. Yeah. And that's what worries me is... He followed Kyle Shanahan to San Francisco, a coach who was already familiar with him from Atlanta, mm-hmm. and it still didn't work out. Now, what is he doing? He's following a coach from San Francisco to New York. I just don't got those warm fuzzies. So here's the thing about my okay. argument for this, man. Sell me. Matt LaFleur, or Mike LaFleur, excuse me. I'm, I'm messing this up already. One Let of the start. LaFleurs. Let One me start again. One of the LaFleurs, they're very good. That's number one. <laughs> I got no argument for this. I just want Tevin Coleman to succeed, damn it. And the thing is, maybe the divorce from Kyle Shanahan is actually going to do all the better, and, and he's going to feel refreshed, and, and they're going to give him a different scheme and a different outlook. But, I mean, who does he really have to beat out in this offense, man? They, get, they have an improved offensive line. They have a rookie quarterback who is up on the uptrend. You know, okay, you got Michael Carter, this, this flash-and-dash rookie who is, I think, going to be his biggest competition. P. Ryan, I mean – it says it right there. It's P Ryan. I mean, it's not very good, but I mean, I think Coleman has an opportunity. I'm not banking on anything. He's going to be a waiver wire guy once he hits anyway, but I wanted to put it out there because I said, how many teams do you own Tevin Coleman on all of them? That's a, that's exactly <laughs> why we have some personal fantasy football yes. bias going on. You just want to get something out of him so you can sell the guy. That's I mean, I, you know what? It, it's like, it's come to the point. I just want to get something out of him that I can say, see, I did it, man. <laughs> If you hold on long enough, you're bound to find something. But something. I mean, I, I look at the Jets. The Jets are still not a winning football team. They're still going to be trailing a lot. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Hopefully they're throwing it to Corey Davis because I talked about him in a video uh, this week. I I don't know. It's just 
I I don't see it. I think they bring in Michael Carter. I think it's going to be a a carousel in a back a backfield anyway. Nobody's yeah. going to get committed to this year. Probably next year either. It, it's just going to be a mess. And if Tevin Coleman's only going to go out and get six touches a week because there's three guys getting six touches, I don't know if I can if I can buy that. So I'm going I'm going fiction hundred hundred percent fiction. Damn it. Okay, here we go again. <laughs> Factor fiction. The Giants are saying they're going to ease Saquon back in slowly, meaning his volume is going to be less at the beginning. And I assume less at the beginning means the first quarter, four weeks. Is this a concern? Because I really don't know if this is coach speak. I don't know if this is, you know, game plan and scheme kind of feels like it. But what are you saying? This is 100% coach speak, mm. in my opinion, because this is exactly what they're setting it up to be. Now, I mean, you got to remember, it's like a game of chess in the NFL, right? So we're going to have to limit the touches of Saquon Barkley. Well, A, timeout. You just drafted Kadarius Tony and brought in uh, Kenny Galladay. His touches are already going to be somewhat limited because now you have to force feed the guys that you put on the field. So now you're going to be throwing more, which means in turn – Saquon gets less opportunities. So instead of making it look like, oh, they're phasing out Saquon Barkley, he's not healthy. He's They're going to plant the seed now that we're working him back in slow. So if he comes out and only gets 18 to 20 touches, nobody's going to raise an eyebrow on it because they're going to just assume it's to work him back in slow. This offense is no longer just Saquon Barkley. And I hate that because I love Saquon Barkley. I'm not saying that he is done for by any means. I think that even though his touches are going to go down, probably from what we've seen over the past couple of years, mm -hmm. I think that they become more efficient. And so he starts to do more with what he has. So he may not go out and get 25 touches in 100 yards, but he may go out there and get 18 touches for 98. You know what I mean? So, I mean, he, I think it's addition by subtraction, right? We're not going to run him into the ground. We're not going to force feed him the ball. We're not going to throw in the ball, swing out of the backfield so we can get blindsided by a linebacker. We're not, we're, we're going to take care of him and in turn, you're still going to get that production. You're just not going to get that huge volume. And that may turn some people off. Me, personally, uh, if I'm sitting there right around number four, number five overall on the clock and Saquon Barkley is sitting there, I'm still going to take the guy. Like, I'm, I'm not passing on him because I still think that this offense now, which for the first time has multiple high-talented you know receivers on the outside that can pull defenders outside of the box, if Daniel Jones can just take the smidgenest – Step forward. Mm -hmm. Saquon Barkley's output is going to go through the roof because now defenses have to play for the passing game and all those weapons, which only opens things up for Saquon. So you said the correct word that I was thinking of the whole time, and it was efficiency rate. Mm -hmm. That is what is going to happen to Saquon because he's just too damn good. He yeah. is the elite talent that you're looking for as a running back position. He can do legit everything from the running back spot. He can catch. He can bulldoze. You can hurdle. He can he can break free and run, break away wheels. Everything is in this man's game. Now you bring in guys like Kenny Galladay, Tony. You have uh, other pieces. Now you've got double tight end sets with Kyle Rudolph and Ingram. What about what about Kelvin Benjamin? And Ke oh yeah, Kelvin Benjamin. So it's tri <laughs> triple tight end sets with Kelvin Benjamin. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, but this is what I'm saying. So now, okay, I agree. This was the funny thing is that it, this is fact to me that this is or this is fiction to me because it's bullshit. I mean, mm -hmm. this is Jason Garrett trying to say. Hey guys, I'm not a great offensive coordinator. So, you know, can you help me out just a little bit here? Because, you know, we have this good guy named Saquon and, you know, he's been injured the last two years and we kind of want him to stay on the field a little bit so he can produce kind of save my job. You know, I think that's, that's kind of where I see this going, but, but I, I like it. I think that the efficiency rate to me is where I'm going. And that is where you guys have to understand for fantasy football wise is when you see a team loading up and everyone preaches volume, we do as well. Mm -hmm. But there's a caveat in that based on the team dynamic and how the roster is constructed. And that's when you see the differences in efficiency rates to volume rates. And this is a situation where there's just too many damn pieces on this team, even if they don't succeed. And the Giants say even get 25% better offensive production. You're getting Saquon Barkley at a discount. I even think in, in, in pick number three. And that's why you have to look at each person individually and their own talent and their own past success. This is exactly why. I will buy Saquon Barkley and not Mike Davis. Mike Davis has a bunch of pass catching weapons that are going to draw defenders up, but I don't, I don't know. I don't have that warm fuzzy because I haven't seen Mike Davis really be the guy. I mean, we mm -hmm. can say, sure. He was in Carolina, but honestly, 
his role even changed throughout the course of uh, what two two thirds of a season. Like he didn't even keep the same role the whole time. They stopped throwing him the ball the second half of the season, and that raises question marks to me. So I I think that the NFL head coaches and stuff they are very smart people, and they obviously saw something to cause them to pivot at some point in the NFL season. You don't pivot away from Saquon Barkley, who is arguably one of the best pure running backs in all of football. There's a different in, in talent there. And that's why it, it's just coach, but you're not going to take arguably one of the best players in all of football and just say, ah, I'm not going to give him the ball anymore. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's like the Zeke conversations where everyone's going with Zeke. Now it's like, Oh, he has one bad season with no Dak Prescott, you know, fade the man. And, and you're going to get punished this season. And you start fading talent like that. I'll tell you that right now. Fact or fiction. Lamar Jackson will throw for 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns this year. Ooh. His career high is 3,100 passing yards. And you said 3,500? 3,500. 3,500 and 30 touchdowns. 35 touchdowns. 30. 30. Man, you're like borderline right there. Right? Like that is, that is going to be super close to where he's going to end up. Because the 30 touchdown range, I can see that this year mm-hmm. i mean he had 36 in 2019 26 in 2020 him get 30 now after adding bateman and your boy sammy watkins whoop, whoop. Uh, i mean i think that the 30 touchdown mark that doesn't concern me as much 3500 yards is going to be tough because i still know they're going to run the ball a lot like a lot a lot and i think jk dobbins and gus edwards are the main beneficiary of that besides lamar jackson himself and they're going to score a lot of points. What they really need, though, in order for that to happen, is they need their division to produce what a lot of people think that they're going to produce. They need Pittsburgh mm. to go out there and be a high-scoring team. They need Cleveland to be a high-scoring team. They need Burrow to go out there and light it up with them so that they're in more shootouts, so that Lamar has to throw for four quarters. Because right now, I think there's more games on their schedule where they're going to be able to pound the rock. Majority of the game, then they're going to have to rely on the passing game. But if those teams can come out and really be what we expect them to be, I think 3,500 yards is – it's going to be borderline. It'll be super close. Even with an extra game. I mean, yeah, but look at it, though. I mean, how many times does Lamar go out there and throw for a buck 80? You it's know true. what I mean? It, that's the whole thing is they don't – they just don't need it. I mean, the team can win without it. I think the biggest X factor in that offense is his legs, not his arm. Agreed. And, and when, when Baltimore struggled last year, it's because they told him to stop running so much. And the team struggled when they kind of just said, all right, man, have at it. Go back to what you're doing. Second half of the season, the Ravens were a different football team. And they have to know that. I mean, is it going to last forever? Unfortunately, it's probably not. The kid's going to take a shot at some point. And at some point, I highly doubt he goes his entire NFL career and doesn't you know, escape an injury. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's just the type of football that he plays. Super talented. Arguably, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, Running just strictly rushing wise, he's mm-hmm. better than Mike Vick. Like he's, in oh. my opinion, I, I put him above Vick. When we're only talking about rushing, the difference yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Vick could throw the ball down the field Agreed. with a little bit more accuracy than Lamar Jackson. When it comes to the open field, though, Mike Vick was great and all, but it's a different game now. Sure, we have linebackers running four three forties right now. That's true. Like, I mean, he's having to do it against. In my opinion, superior athletic ability, superior athletic talent to where Vic had it, but there wasn't very many linebackers 15 years ago running four 340s. That's a a great point. Yeah. It's just a different game. And that's why I put Lamar a little bit higher because he's having to do it against that that other talent. And 3,500 yards, it's going to be, it's going to be super close to that. But 30 touchdowns, I'll, I'll take that as a fact. You know, I, oh, okay. So it's half split. You're you're changing the rules of the game. Uh, I I don't know. I, I mean, it's going to be close, dude. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he's 3,501. Yeah. I, I, I get <laughs> it. It's going to be right there. When I was, yeah, when I was uh, edging out these numbers a little bit, I'm like, oh, man, that is like right on with the extra game where he's he might be. I could even see the touchdowns go down a little bit. Like he could be in a 25, you know, because they are that run-heavy team. And that you, see, you hit the nail on the head again with the division. The division is what, uh, what makes, I think, inhibits his process to be this, this uh, learn learning and, and perfecting all of his passing skills because it is a dogfight in this division with all these teams. They want to win the 20 to 14, 20 to 17 games. And it's on the, on the backs of the ground game. So I agree. It's going to be very close. This is a good one. You ready for this oh, one? Fact or fiction. 
AJ Brown, man, he finishes this year as a top five wide receiver, half PPR. Damn. Top five is top five is, is juicy. It is juicy. His, uh, his, his ADP, mind you, right now is top five. Man, I, I, in my mock draft video this week, he was the number one wide receiver taken off the board at like pick eight, nine, or 10, somewhere right around in there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's crazy to me. I love AJ Brown. Grown and it man. all depends to, to, to me when am I drafting? Because I'm still not counting out Julio Jones in Tennessee. And if Julio goes to Tennessee, then I'm not going to buy AJ as a top five. Mm-hmm. As of right this second, my biggest concern is who is opposite of him. Yes, I know it's Josh Reynolds. That, that's really going to take away that defensive attention. And is A.J. Brown just going to get double and triple teamed the entire game every single week? And then all they do is focus on Derrick Henry in the backfield, shut down A.J. Brown, and we're good. Mm-hmm. That's like where I'm really worried because A.J. Brown, even though it was just Corey Davis and Jonu Smith, he had – other options in that offense that Ryan Tannehill could utilize. That's why Corey Davis broke out. And that's why I'm worried about Corey Davis in New York is because the only reason Corey Davis broke out finally is because he wasn't the guy anymore. You know I mean? AJ Brown was the guy. Mm -hmm. Well, who's going to be that guy opposite of AJ Brown? I think he is more than capable of being an alpha wide receiver, but I don't know if there's enough in that offense as of today, June 1st or second or third, whenever you listen to this, that really leads me to believe that he's going to be able to overcome all those obstacles because it's, it's going to be tough and it may not be as safe of a pick inside the top five. I think if you, if you say he's going to finish top five, you're, you're accepting some risk in that pick because there's a lot of unknowns right now. And how many targets would it take in that offense for him to get to top five? You're talking 150 plus, And Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if he gets it. I, I, I don't know either. And that's I why I'm sitting here with this. I When I was looking through AJ Brown, I mean, okay, he had what, 107 targets or something like that last year for just roughly over a thousand yards. The thing is with AJ Brown is he is a grown ass man and he 100%. is not going to take any shit from anybody. We saw it in what I can't remember what game it was. I think maybe Baltimore where he broke like eight tackles and scored mm-hmm. the touchdown. This is what he does, and then that hurts him because his body has broken down already in these two years. Not severely, but it's it's caused him enough strain where you're saying, okay, how come I don't see the 120 targets by now? Why mm-hmm. am I not seeing that on the uptrend? Yes, okay, it was like, what, 80-something, then 107. So, yeah, it's a slight uh, increase, but because they are a run-heavy team, so... Uh, I mean, this is the thing. Everybody's talking about A.J. Brown, and I'm a huge fan. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm a huge A.J. Brown supporter. But the thing is, is that when you're drafting him in the first round, that is scary stuff for me because I would rather take either two running backs that way, first and second round, or I would go for, like, the top three, you know, the Devontae, the D-Hop, and, and, and company. Like, that's uh, Tyreek Hills. Like, that's kind of what I'm doing over A.J. Brown at this point because – and I might even take a couple other guys. I could make arguments for others to say, you know, Terry McLaurin. Yes, he's way lower, mm-hmm. but I'm saying you're upside now with, with Fitzpatrick at the value – I don't know, man. Like top five is, is tough for me with AJ Brown. Yeah. I, I mean, when you, when you look at the actual names, I mean, Tyreek Hill, I expect him to be inside the top five. Devontae Adams, 100%, as long as Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback. Mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs, probably not. He's in Buffalo. Oh, he's <laughs> just he's, kidding. No, he, he's, he's, in my opinion, top five. So you got those three. So we only got two spots left. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is, makes a good argument. Calvin Ridley. 100%, especially what if Julio Jones does leave. We're just going to totally forget about DK Metcalf or Justin Jefferson. Or I love, I absolutely love Keenan Allen, and I love Allen Robinson. I won't probably own hardly any A.J. Brown this year because, like you just said, at that point of the draft, I'm not going to reach for a potential ceiling in a wide receiver that we still haven't seen yet mm-hmm. when I could go out there and get some super solid running backs wait till the third round, grab a Keenan Allen or, or an Allen Robinson. Uh, I mean, I, I did a scenario earlier in the week where you can take running back, running back first and second round. And if you have like one of the turn picks, like where you're end of the third, beginning of the fourth, you could almost in some drafts land both of those guys. You could go running back, running back, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson. Exactly. That would that would make me go from six to midnight in a half a second. <laughs> and, and that's why I probably won't see a whole lot of A.J. Brown because – 
I'm not going to reach for him when I like guys a lot lower. Not that I'm, I'm saying they're better than AJ Brown, but I can get those two running backs early and then still get guys who are going to go out and get 150 targets. Allen Robinson's got 150 targets four seasons mm-hmm. in his career. Every game or every season in which Allen Robinson has played at least 15 games in, he's seen 150 or more targets. We've seen it before. We're going to see it again. We haven't seen that for AJ Brown. We're, we're guessing, we're hoping, you know, we're, we're, this could be the year. Well, it could also be the year that he gets 108 again. You know what I mean? It just, there's a huge question mark that we've seen Keenan Allen go out year after year after year and average 130, 140 targets. I would rather take the given instead of reach for the hopeful in the first or second round. So is it this way? I was just thinking as you're talking, cause it's a good point. We saw in Houston, the Matt Schaub's support, DeAndre Hopkins to extremely high levels, and he had no support. Can we say that AJ Brown is going to be at that level where Tennessee is just going to be like the hell with it? We're going to run our butts off with Derrick Henry. He is going to be the guy, but every other pass is just going to go to AJ Brown. Couple sprinkles to a little bit of the receivers and the tight ends, you know, that we have because they're open because everyone's focusing on Brown. But I mean, could is it possible that he goes into the realm of 160 targets this season behind Tannehill, mind you? I, I know it's Tannehill, and he's not known for that. I mean, he is a 4,000-yard passer in this league, and I keep saying that about my boy Tannehill. But I mean, is it possible? I mean, are we overlooking that, that he could actually be just force-fed this season to say, hey, AJ, show us what you got, and that's what they're looking for? I would like to say yes. But you just mentioned a little bit ago that the guy's body has broken down a little bit each year already. Mm. And that kind of raises the Julio Jones red flag to me. Like Julio always plays, but he's always banged up. And he's been like that for years. He'll still go out there every Sunday, but you're not getting 100%. He's always dealing with an ankle or a foot or his knees bruised or whatever. That's A.J. Brown. Like so far, the guy is so physical that his body is just put to the max every time he's on the field. And even though he doesn't miss time and he still plays and he still produces, he's not at 100%. And if he hasn't been at 100% the first two years of his career, what's it going to be like? going? It's only going to get worse going forward. I hate to break it to half of yep. you know middle America here, but as you get older, things break down. Okay, like I'm almost 40 and no, nothing works anymore. It, falls okay? off and, you know. it just, it just, it deteriorates. Okay. And not that this guy is anywhere near that stage of his life, but it's just little things over and over and over. They become nagging and they're not to the point where he misses time and he's still going to be a, a top 12 wide receiver, hundred yep. percent. But I, I think it just limits and caps that top five because we just haven't seen him do it before. And until I see it, with anything in life, I have a hard time believing if I can't see it. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm like, with that's that why a million dollars does not exist because I've never seen it. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. <laughs> that's why I'm not a wealthy. Show man. me the briefcase. Yeah, man. I want to see it. <laughs> oh, AJ, AJ. Factor fiction. CD Lamb will be the leading receiver on the Dallas Cowboys, and Amari Cooper will be playing elsewhere in 2022. Fact. Okay, I was waiting for the date in the background. I was waiting for the date because if you were going to say in 2021, I don't think so. Uh, But 2022, it makes way too much sense. If CeeDee Lamb goes the entire 2021 season without major injury, Amari Cooper is all but gone because Dallas has just spent way too much money and they can save it by cutting Amari Cooper after uh, after this year Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they're not losing a whole lot because they still have Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. They can, heck, at that point, they can sign a free agent if they want to, a veteran. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders will go there. It's like every year he's somewhere (laughs) different anyway. You know what I mean? So they'll sign a guy like that, but no need to pay that huge amount for for Amari Cooper. But this year, 2021, I still think Amari Cooper gets the lion's share because he's kind of Dax Binky. Okay, okay, fair enough. But, you know, what, okay, if you hear that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch this a little bit. Switch so it. What, what do you see as Amari's stat line versus CD stat line this year? Because for me, 
Michael Gallup, unfortunately, I mean, the guy's got so much talent, but he is obviously the odd man out in this situation because, I mean, there's just so many balls that can go around. I mean, um, what are you saying this year? Okay, you break it down however you want, fantasy point-wise or yardage-wise, even touchdowns. Actually, you know what? Screw it, man. Let's go touchdowns. Who's getting more touchdowns? Because I could literally see CeeDee Lamb getting more touchdowns here. I I wouldn't be surprised, but I think the targets, the yards go the way of Cooper. And it all depends because CeeDee Lamb, he's a freak of nature when he's in the end zone because he can make the craziest of catches. Amari Cooper is a little bit less flashy, but he's the number one option for Dak Prescott. And we've, like I said, we've, we've seen that before. He's proven that mm-hmm. before. He got 130 targets last year. He had 119 the year before that. I mean, he is the leading target getter in that offense, but he only gets right around five to eight touchdowns. I mean, he's not going to be somebody that's going to go out there and get 12 a year. I could see C.D. Lamb losing the reception and yardage battle, but scoring more touchdowns. And then Amari Cooper getting more receptions, more yards, less touchdowns, and having more overall points if you're playing any type of PPR scoring. Because I think I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Cooper catch somewhere in the vicinity of, if, as long as Dak is healthy all year, 100 to 110 balls, uh, 1,200 yards from Amari Cooper. I don't okay. I don't, but I could see Lamb probably being somewhere in the vicinity of 60, 70 receptions for 800 yards and eight, nine touchdowns. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be super hard because there's just so much to go around in that offense. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Zeke's numbers, even with a healthy Dak Prescott, Zeke was doing head and shoulders better. And you, if we notice that, Dallas notices that. And they're going to continue to give Zeke touches. And I think it just limits. The potential upside. I mean, we've seen teams go out there and have two, three thousand yard wide receivers before. Mm-hmm. Okay, two or three one thousand yard receivers. I don't want with those numbers all. I got make you. it sound like some dude's getting three thousand yards or anything, but I mean, it can happen a hundred percent. And the defense in Dallas isn't the greatest, and we saw it last year. They had to continue to throw all four quarters. And they had to score big points to have a chance to win. I don't see that changing either. I still think that Cooper's the the alpha for one more year, even though I love me some CD lamb going forward. Fair enough. And I can't hate it. And even when it comes to CD lamb and where his ADP currently rests, I mean, you're just getting a bargain and that's just glory and gold falling from the skies because I'll draft, I'll draft CD lamb over Amari Cooper in, in drafts this year because I can get similar production in a few rounds later. I love it. I love it all day long. Fact or fiction. We continue, man. We continue with the return of Terry Cohen. Will David Montgomery still have a big role in the passing game? Screw you, Matt Nagy. Screw you. Screw you, Matt Nagy. Okay, I just had to start it off with that because Matt Nagy is the X factor in this right here. (laughs) (laughs) He is the only one that plays any role in this because only he can take the power away from David Montgomery. David Montgomery needs to be the guy in this offense he needs to get 20 touches a week he for whatever reason can't seem to get it other than the end of 2020 and i'm hoping that they saw that the end of 2020 the success that he found when they dedicated to him i love me some Tariq cohen i do i think he i think he kind of fills a need from time to time but David Montgomery can catch passes out of the backfield. They don't need Tariq Cohen for that. I mean, Tariq Cohen coming off uh, a torn ACL, he's not, maybe he's not 100%. I mean, nobody ever wants to talk about the lower level guys. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, yeah. all the big name guys, what are they doing coming off? Well, the little guys have to come off it too. You know what I mean? And I just don't see it. I, I love me some Darnell Mooney. We talked about Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller hit and miss. I'd much rather have Tariq Cohen maybe in a two back set lineup out in the slot from time to time but really dedicate to David Montgomery here. And, and he's the guy that, man, he, he I finishes hope. top four. Dude, I And this hope. shows, I hope it too, because he finishes it and it proved everyone. Okay. We all were like, yeah, David Montgomery's got some juice. We like him when he was drafted. He came, everyone. Yeah. A lot of people, he's going to break out. And I said, whoa, so just pump the brakes just a mm-hmm. tad, but I, I like his game. I do. And then, you know, Matt Nagy comes in and starts acting like Adam Gase. And maybe mm-hmm. that, that should have been my question is, is it yeah. going to be Adam Gase? You know, it's just, he's annoying as a mother, you know, and if they can if they can dedicate to david montgomery all season like we saw end of season maybe obviously to not that extent even if we 
even we regress it a little bit. The guy is a top 10 running back here in fantasy football. He's a probably he's a top five overall rusher in the NFL. If they can commit 20 touches a week to him, mm. uh, I just I hope that they actually do it and they don't mess around. One thing that kind of somewhat worries me is I think the biggest hole in the defensive side of for Chicago is the secondary for the most mm. part. So if teams can put up points against them, they're going to have to throw more than run more. Uh, I mean, we're putting a lot of stock into Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, hopefully Justin Fields earlier rather than later. But I mean, David Montgomery has got to be the guy this year. I, I agree. And 240 plus carries uh, his first two years. I mean, they, they did the same shit with Jordan Howard, man. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they just gave Howard the, and then they let him go home uh, somewhere else. But. There may not be a bigger question mark. And this is total off the rails. A bigger there's never been a guy more disrespected, I think, in the NFL than Jordan Howard. Oh, big time, man. That I don't understand. Pastor. I don't understand why this guy couldn't keep a job. I don't get it either. And what is he, 26 years old? Everyone's acting like he's 36, like Adrian Dude, Peterson. All he does is score touchdowns. That's I mean, it. that's all he does. And I'll gladly take someone that scores touchdowns. He was scoring touchdowns when he was getting the full workload. Mm-hmm. Now he just signs with teams and gets like eight attempts for six touchdowns. Like that's all he does now is goal line work. But yeah. whatever. I don't understand why people dislike Jordan Howard. I, I've never understood it. I mean, that was a per- random friend. Yeah. And it's fine. <laughs> You're just adding grievance all over this place. Yeah. I mean, even, even when he does like, okay. Like he goes back to Chicago. I don't recall like the exact numbers, but it was like legit 250 for every year he was there or just under 250 carries. And he leaves and every, and I, I didn't even understand why they let him go. His production was fine. And then they go and draft a guy like David Montgomery. They utilize David Montgomery, basically the exact same way they did Jordan Howard. So what the hell did you gain? I just, I, I have no understanding what's going on in Chicago. His first three seasons in Chicago, each of the three years had over a thousand total yards and seven touchdowns in all three seasons. And then he just disappears and, and goes into the abyss of the NFL. <laughs> why? The NFL is such a strange place, man. Unless right. he's got nudie pictures of someone's wife or something. I don't know what's going Jordan on. Howard to Buffalo. Let's start it. <laughs> hey, man, I'm down for it. Bring them. <laughs> we need goal line work, man. Bring Jordan Howard to Buffalo. Factor fiction. Deshaun Watson plays more than six games in 2021. With every passing day, this inches closer and closer to fiction. Yeah. Because actually, sorry, you say less than or more than six. More than. Oh, that yeah, I, that's got to be fiction at this point. I, if he plays, what kind of suspension are we looking at? I mean, at, it's gone super eerily quiet and dark. I mean, like nobody knows what the hell is going on. The last we heard, it didn't sound too great. I, it's just there's too many questions, and there's a reason that Houston is out there signing like 54 backup quarterbacks right now. Maybe that's why they have so many wide receivers to, or running backs, too, is just a, the, whoever we got. Who wants to play? It's like it's like Will Ferrell in Talladega Nights. Who wants to go fast? Like, that's what yeah. they're doing is whoever yeah. wants to play quarterback yeah. in Houston because they know something's coming possibly. They're trying to, to plan. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's not looking. it's not looking good. Yeah, I don't like the odds whatsoever, man. I mean, even like we're saying, I I don't want to beat this like a dead horse, but I mean, uh, we've talked about it so much. I mean, he's got legal problems that he needs to resolve and the NFL doesn't uh, or the NFL frowns uh, extremely hard on these types of situations and he will fall under the personal conduct and he can get anywhere from six to 12 games this Mm -hmm. year. And I mean, it's a wash. So we'll move on. Fact or fiction. Tua will throw for 3,200 yards and yards and 22 touchdowns this season. Fact. Woo! I like Tua it. will surpass said numbers. I like it. I mean, every another one of these guys, and I think people forget. Let, let's let's go back in our time machine for a second, shall we? We're gonna go back to the old year of 2020, which was just last year for you people who can't remember last week. <laughs> okay, it was a crappy year, right? Like there was no off season. There was no rookie camps. There was no training camps. There was no preseasons. And you had Tua coming off major hip surgery. And then he gets no off season. He's quarantined everywhere. They can't do anything. He gets thrown into NFL action. Was he out there lighting it up? No, but he wasn't turning the ball over. He was playing smart football, a little bit more of a game manager, but he was not bad by any means. They took him out, right? He continually had to the relief pitcher, mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzmagic, had to keep coming in for him. What does that do to a young kid's psyche? 
a, a lot. You, you talk about Dwayne Haskins in that position. He doesn't handle it the right way. You talk about Tua. Look what Tua did. Have you seen Tua lately? This dude grew up. I mean, he he is he's thick all he's of a all, sudden. All, dude, all grown dude, up, man, he, with that he beard grown, and the base. When you look side by side of him coming into last season and this this year, I mean, the guy looks like he added like 20 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. What does a professional athlete do with that entire year uh, of nothing? I mean, they're creatures of habit, right? They're used to moving. An object in motion stays in motion. Let's Let's get scientific here for a second. A lot of people weren't in motion in 2020. A lot of sitting still, a lot of downtime, a lot of can't do a whole lot. Well, that affects athletes, especially those coming off of major injuries. Now with a complete offseason, a full uh, offseason camp, full workloads, he's 100% healthy, he's good to go. And then you give him Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller, still has Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker, a, a solid defense, a, defense uh, a, a solid offensive line, a decent running game with Miles Gaskin. Tua is going to surprise some people this year. Tua has... Tua has alienated a lot of people. A lot of people already jumped off this bandwagon and sure they've already is. written yep. this kid off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to surprise this year. I think this is the year that a lot of people realize they made a mistake on Tua. Now he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. Don't, don't get not me yet. wrong. He's not yet. He's not some must have quarterback in fantasy football Tua. Sure. You know what I mean? Maybe in a two quarterback league late. Yeah. I don't mind Tua whatsoever, but all the stars are starting to align for him this year to where he's, set up to succeed he wasn't set up to succeed in 2020 he was given a a a raw deal you know i mean he was he was he handed the short stack and he kind of made do with what he had well Mm -hmm. now he's got everything at his at his expense and man he's he's got a lot of options this year and they could be pretty exciting in miami you know what's funny about tua in miami with this offense as we sit today it is built very similarly to what he had in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And what I say with that is it's blown up with wide receiver playmaking talent. Will Fuller wheels for days. Yes, he's suspended. Fine. He'll come back. You got rookie Jalen Waddle, who played with Tua in Alabama and they flourished. And that is instant chemistry for this man. So don't forget that as well. Devontae Parker, the best player in shorts and training camp. I mean, okay, he had his breakout season after year six. I mean, that doesn't normally happen, but he has talent on this offense, man, Mm -hmm. and speed. So here's the thing. Tua was able to support multiple weapons, the Waddles, the Smiths, the whoever else was there. I can't remember now. Uh, Judy. Rugs. Rugs. And he was able to do that with a four wide receiver set and be dim- uh, multidimensional by throwing every which direction his wide receivers were open. This is exactly what Miami is trying to recreate. And that's why we also saw a guy like Jamar Chase go to Cincinnati because NFL teams understand this. Okay. If you have a guy that you have great chemistry with, why the hell won't we bring him on this offense? I like Tua this year, even though he plays for the Finns, squish the fish. But I mean, I like to. <laughs> well, here's the thing is you look at his overall stats last year, 11 touchdowns and five interceptions and started 10 games mm. in those 10 games. He went seven and three and three of those interceptions were all in the same week against the Buffalo Bills to end the season. So you take that away. He would have had what? Uh, 10 touchdowns to two interceptions. For a kid no, coming off of everything that he had in the offseason and going seven and three. That's that's not bad at all. Now, he obviously isn't going to light it up, but he did have, what, two games where he threw for more than 300 yards. He did against Kansas City, threw for 316, two touchdowns, one interception. And then that last game of the season against Buffalo, he threw three interceptions, but also had 361 yards throwing and 58 attempts that last week of the season. I think if you get Tua going 58 attempts, you're you're in trouble, right? You're that's not what you want. You want him to hover right around that 30 to 35 mark. Mm-hmm. Let him be a solid game manager, go out there, move the ball down the field, put the ball in a good spot. And then, like you said, he's got the receivers with speed. They can make the big plays happen. He doesn't always have to air it out down the field. And that's why they gave him this amount of speed. They got guys like Devontae Parker who can go up and win the 50-50 ball. They just need him to not turn the ball over, which he's proven he can do in NFL games. And I think the more the more reps he gets, the potential is just going to start to, to creep up and skyrocket. He's going to be one of those guys that can go out there every week. He's going to throw for 225, 250, maybe one or two touchdowns. And 
I, I, I will take that. I mean, we're talking, even if he Solid does that, floor. Yeah, you, you talk about that, that's what, 34 touchdowns and almost 4,000 yards. I mean, Solid that's very floor. doable, I think, this year. I agree. I think uh, we didn't even mention Mike Gusecki. So, I mean, he's got weapons all, all over the place. Let's switch gears, man. I'll finish this off with another game. It's no more fact and fiction, but this is another one. Okay. You like this? Oh, yeah, I do. We'll call pick. We'll call it pick one. Pick okay. one is the game. You're not. Gonna I'm like, greedy though. You're not going to like these names, okay? I'm, oh, tell, I'm telling you right now, it's going to hurt. <laughs> Fantasy football upside for 2021. You pick one: Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, or Jalen Hurts. And we're only talking about upside. Just upside. I mean, to me, the smart answer would probably be Jalen Hurts. Oh, but, but I'm not going to go with Jalen Hurts though. Because I'm I'm not a smart guy. That's why I said he'd be the smart choice. Yeah. I, I'm going with Joe Burrow. Thank you. We are on the same page. Because with with the the Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd combo. I mean, if this dude can stay upright for three to four seconds in the pocket, he is lighting it up. I love it. I love it all day long. Next one I have. Pick one for fantasy football upside. Julio, Terry McLaurin, or DJ Moore. Hmm. Strictly upside. I'm going with DJ Moore. Oh, because. I have a sneaking suspicion, sneaky, sneaky suspicion, because I think the upside is I don't think Terry McLaurin catches anybody off guard. And that's why I don't say Terry McLaurin personally. I think he's already in that upper echelon of what people are expecting. DJ Moore is a little bit further down the list than even Terry McLaurin right now. So I'm going upside there because I think and I don't know why I have no reason to think this. It's just a gut feeling that he sees time in the slot this Mm. year and they go Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall Jr. on the outside. And if DJ Moore is in the slot, I love it. If he's on the outside, I don't love it. So him going in the slot with a Sam Darnold, who we saw, you know, pepper slot receivers in the past, I, I could I could love that. And that's why I'm going strictly upside wide would be DJ Moore for me. And, and I got to go Terry here. Even though everyone knows who Terry is, everyone is not, you know, it's not going to be fooled. I think this is the first time Terry's actually had a legitimate passer who's just hundred percent feed him the ball. And, and, and we're talking upside. I will not be surprised if he's hovering in that top six this year. If if it's if it's Fitz tossing darts and he doesn't give a damn how many picks he throws. I I, I mean I can't hate your DJ Moore thing because I think it's on point too. But I, I'm going Terry I, scary McClure. I think the biggest thing for Terry is is there another wide receiver on the outside? I'm not talking Curtis Samuel. I'm talking. Uh, a rookie Diami Brown or an Antonio Gandy Golden or Sims, one of those guys, Cam Sims on the outside. If one of those guys can step up and take a leap forward or, or really over, outproduce what people expect, I think that hurts Terry McLaurin somewhat. Okay. We haven't seen that yet, but that's like the one X factor there. I love me, Terry McLaurin. I love him paired up with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I mean, do what if one of those? What happens if one of those guys takes a huge step forward? We already know Logan Thomas can be a thing in the red zone, mm. also, and that's where I just get a little bit worried that the upside, the floor is super safe. The upside, I think DJ Moore could just surprise people. Fair enough, and I can't hate it. I, I like it all day long. This one kind of sucks, and I hated it as I wrote it. Great, Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, or Chris Carson. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, the only guy on that list that I would draft is Miles Gaskin. Fair enough. Because he's the only – I'm not touching Chris Carson because he can't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Mike Davis, we already talked about. I'm just not on board with Miles Gaskin. At least you can say with Miles Gaskin, when healthy in 2020, uh, they, they committed to him, right? We saw Salvin Ahmed at times, but that's when Gaskin was hurt. When Gaskin was healthy, he was touching the ball like 18 to 20 times a game mm-hmm. and was one of the most efficient running backs in all of football. Now they have – a better passing offense, which is going to draw defenders outside of the box. As long as they stay committed to Miles Gaskin, he's like somebody you can get in like the fifth round. And it wouldn't surprise me if he finishes inside the top 15. Yeah, you got flex appeal all day long. I would mm-hmm. like to go Chris Carson, but like we said, his medical, he spends more time in the medical room than he Dude. goes out in public. So, Dude, he's always there. He's like permahurt. Yeah, permahurt is right. I just don't want to. Hashtag permahurt. New, new t-shirt. That. Yeah, permahurt. I like that. <laughs> well, that's all I got today, man. This was fantastic. This was game night on Straight Chub, man, and I like it all day long. We'll close this one out anyway. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Jake on Twitter at FNTSY Headliners. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And on behalf of Jake, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out. <laughs>